Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast channel for Impact Student Ministries, which is based out of Eubank Baptist Church in Eubank, Kentucky. We are all about discovering who Jesus is, discovering His purpose for us, and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place where you can catch up on past conversations from our Wednesday night worship experiences. To stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram at EubankBCYouth, all one word, and on Facebook at Impact Student Ministries Eubank BC. Thank you for being part of the conversation, and let's keep discovering who Jesus is together. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and keep on rolling. Uh, please don't forget about DNAL. Please sign up for that because we have to plan host homes, uh, plan meals, and all those things. So please sign up. If you bring friends, sign them up as well, okay? Because we need to have an, an individual note for each person. So in the back, there's that QR code. Please use that to sign up. And don't forget, uh, we, have, we have officially set the dates for Extreme Winter, okay? So December 29th through the 31st. Okay, so mark your, mark your calendars now for that. Okay, we're excited for that. So please keep those things in mind as we continue to go through the fall. So we are uh, back here in our series that we uh, uh, started a few weeks ago where uh, we're focusing on uh, and unpacking the DNA of who we are as a uh, student ministry. And um, as I often say, say from this stage, um, I really, truly am so grateful that you're here, because I know that for most of you, you're here by choice. No one's forcing you here. Uh, no one's saying you have to be here, but you're choosing to be here, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for that, and, 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 what, I, and what, I, what I really want is for, uh, is for all of you, um, whether you're a student or you're an adult or you're a college leader, that, that whoever you are, wherever you are, that you would experience Jesus in a whole new way. Because the cool thing is about God is that he is always doing something. Uh, we may not see it, may not understand it, but he's always doing something. So we are spending time in this series uh, looking at our DNA um, as a student ministry. And so before we go into, uh, before we dive into tonight's content of the, of the conversation, um, I want to do, do two things. One, um, I want to invite our Bible crew for the night to get up Go in the back, grab the Bibles, um, and pass them out to those who are here. Uh, the Bibles are there in the bottom of the tables back there. Um, but the reason that we uh, pass out Bibles every single week to you all is because we want to be intentional about doing um, this to, to, to where every person who steps foot into this space has a copy of God's living word. Um, his word says that, that it is God-breathed, that he breathed this into existence. Um, and so if, if, if we're going to study from God's word, um, we have to have it in front of us. So, uh, <clears throat> so that's the first thing. The second thing, while, while they're passing those Bibles out, um, and, and let me say this too, uh, the Bible um, is, is one of God's primary ways that he communicates to us. Um, um, the Bible is full of God just talking and speaking, um, and so we want to be intentional um, about hearing from God um, through His Word. And so once you have a Bible in front of you, uh, make your way to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. If you're using one of our Bibles here, uh, that is on page 1201. Okay, so if you're using one of our Bibles here, uh, make your way to Titus chapter 2, which you can find on page 1201. 
201. Uh, if you're using a different copy of the Bible, not, not sure what, what page it's on, um, but uh, find Titus chapter 2. If we're going to be there tonight, we're going to uh, spend um, a lot of our time here, um, and, th- and this will be our, our anchor text for, for the night. <clears throat> and so uh, as you're making your way there, let me just fill you in. Let me remind you of where we've been so far um, in this series. During the first week, we established that uh, the foundation of who we are, the foundation of what we do um, is Scripture. We said that everything that we uh, do and say is influenced by and driven through Scripture. Um, and in the second week, we began to unpack the pillars, if you will, uh, within our DNA. We started by looking at authentic faith. And we said that, we said that authentic faith is personal, that there's a moment where you decide on your own to follow Jesus we said that authentic faith is an, un- is, is, is an unwavering faith, that no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad things get, no matter how uh, weird you are put out to be, that if you have this authentic faith, it doesn't move, it's not shaken, because we know that the God we serve is much more powerful than anything or anyone else on this planet. But then we said also that, uh, that authentic faith is a fulfilling faith, that the life that God has for you, the life that God wants you to live, it is so full that it goes beyond me. That when Jesus came to this planet, he did so. He died on the cross for you, for me, so we would have a life and life abundantly. And then, and then in, in the next week, we uh, moved our focus to spiritual disciplines. And um, so often we can, we can hear that phrase and uh, uh, kind of write it off as not important. But the reality is that the spiritual disciplines that we have, uh, the, the moments that you take to have your quiet time, to, to, to spend time in God's word, to pray, to serve, to give, um, to pray, all those things, they strengthen your relationship with God. And we said that spiritual disciplines, is, is, it's not about you making a name for yourself. It's, it's, it's not about you showing off or boasting about what you did today. It's about you growing that personal, internal relationship with Jesus. And then we find ourselves here this week, tonight, uh, with our third uh, pillar within our DNA. So if you, if you grab the note sheet, uh, write this third pillar down. Pillar number three is this, moral boundaries. The third pillar in our, in our DNA is moral boundaries. So tonight, we'll, as we look at Titus chapter 2, specifically verses 11 through 14, um, I'm going to offer three considerations that I believe we can take from Titus as we think about moral boundaries. And uh, before we start digging into the text and, and, and unpacking what it has for us, let me uh, ask you the question, um, and, and I want you to keep this question at the forefront of your mind, okay? Here it is. Do you have a biblical Christianity or a cultural Christianity? Is your Christianity biblical or cultural? What I believe is that they're, th- those are two very different things. A biblical Christianity is much different than a cultural Christianity. And this is going to be kind of throughout our conversation tonight, because what I fear is that, especially with students, the importance, the significance, fire of having a biblical Christianity, a biblical sense of, of, a, of a worldview, just honestly is not that important to you guys anymore. That, you, that, that for students in general, not, not you all specifically, but for students in general, you all would rather look through the lens of culture 
than you would the lens of Scripture. And, and the reality is that, that if you're a Christian, if you're someone who's, who has placed your faith in Jesus, then the only place that should fuel, the only place that should define, the only place that should motivate, the only place that should influence, the only place that should impact your sense of self, your view of the world, your view of people, is what God says in his word. And so tonight we're going to maybe, for some of us, decide if we have more of a biblical Christianity or a cultural Christianity. So, Let's dive into the text, because that's why we're here. That, that, that is the main voice that should be heard on our Wednesday nights. But in, in, in Titus chapter 2, listen as I read through, look as I read through verses 11 through 14 of Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to, to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, up, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So before we uh, dive into what's going on here, just, just let me uh, paint the context of, of, of the book of Titus. Because um, for us to really understand what's going on here, we have to, we have to understand the context um, these three chapters of Titus make up a letter that was written from Paul to, to a young guy named Titus. Uh, big shocker there, right? Uh, during a portion of Paul's journey, he brings Titus along and then uh, decides to leave Titus in this place called Crete, C-R-E-T-E. Now, the responsibility that, that Titus had that he was given by Paul was to defend, speak, and live out the truth of the gospel in a place that desperately needed God. So Paul decides to leave Titus in Crete and says, hey, while you're here, Titus, instruct the people, uh, guide them to a better, deeper um, understanding of who God is and what he has in store for them. Now, uh, Crete was, was a pretty bad place. In fact, Crete was, uh, Crete was so far from God that one of their own people, uh, one, of the, one of their own uh, had this to say about them uh, in chapter 1 of Titus, verse 12. Uh, it says, one of Crete's own prophets, one of their own people, has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. So I'm pretty sure that guy was not well-liked by the people of Crete. Like, he called his own people out, and not just called them out, he called them lazy liars and lazy gluttons. So this place was not an easy place to stand for the gospel. And what I have come to believe and realize, and I, I, I would hope that most of us would agree with this, at times... The world today is not that far off from Crete. Your schools are not that far off from being in a desperate need for God. Some of your families are not that far off from needing God to step in drastically. Some of you, the life that you live outside these four walls, if we were to be honest, with you, you would say, I'm in desperate need of God to step in. And so Crete was this place that it was challenging, it was difficult, yet Paul said, Titus, preach to them the gospel. So now that, now that we understand what's going on in Titus, the context, let's 
dive into our text. So the first consideration I want you guys to, to take and, and consider is this, that biblical moral boundaries are defined by God's grace. Biblical moral boundaries are defined by God's grace. Just for a moment, while, while you're uh, writing that down, look back with me at verse 11 of Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 of Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So as Paul was inspired to write uh, these words that we see in verse 11, we see him bringing God's grace into the conversation. And if you were to read the verses before, uh, in chapter, uh, beginning of chapter 2 and, and chapter 1, you would see that Paul spent, spent a lot of time affirming that the only response one can have to experiencing the truth and freedom of God's truth is godly living. That when someone comes face to face with the reality, with the power, with the authority, with the truth, with the freedom of who God is and what he says, the only thing you can do is say, you know what, God, I'm yours. Because if God's willing to use a broken place, a broken group of people, then all we can say is, okay, you win, God. One of my favorite songs right now, I was talking to, I think, Jax about this before, uh, is, is the song Gratitude by Brandon Lake, and, and most of you all know that song. And I love the words because, like, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I, I just look across my life, and I look across the ways that God's blessed me, He has carried me, He has protected me, and all I can say, all I can feel, all I can express is gratitude. Because, honestly, guys, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth saving, I'm not worth protecting, I'm not worth guiding, but he still chooses to do that. And so when someone comes face to face with the reality of who God is, and, and, and what I believe is that God is trying to tell you who he is from the, from the moment you can start understanding things, God's talking to you. So Paul says that the only thing we can do when we come face to face with God's grace and his power and his mercy and his freedom is just to say, God, you can have me and you can do whatever you want with my life. And in verse 11, what we just read, we see Paul share one side of God's grace, which is salvation. And we, we love that part, right? We love the part of God's grace that offers us salvation, right? Because it is honestly freeing to know that in order to receive salvation from God, it's not dependent on you. Because what it took to save you has already happened. What it took to redeem you, to purchase you, to give you a life that is not marked by destruction, sadness, or hopelessness, the, that work's already been done through Jesus. So all we have to do is choose Jesus. So we see Paul talk about this idea of salvation, and the salvation that God offers through Jesus to every person on this planet is based only on His grace and nothing else. So nothing inside of us or about us is deserving of God's grace through salvation. So no matter how good you think you are, it is, it is compared, uh, as Scripture says, it, it is like filthy rags compared to who Jesus is. So even your best, even during your two-week span of really getting it right, really doing it right, even that is, is compared to dirty rags when, it, when, it's, when it's put up against who Jesus is. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we see this. 
It says this, check it out. <clears throat> but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, for it is by grace you have been saved. So the only way we receive salvation is receiving that grace that comes through knowing who Jesus is. You see, Paul's telling Titus that the grace he had, the responsibility of sharing to the people around him in Crete, had the ability and still has the ability to offer salvation to anyone no matter how bad they were or are or how bad their situation was or is or will be. God is the only place that you can come to with a past, with mistakes, with failures, and still be accepted. Because you see, when God sent Jesus to the cross for you, he knew all about you. It says in Psalms that he formed our days, he planned our days before the, even, before the first one even took place on this planet. So do you remember uh, the question I asked you uh, when, when we started this uh, tonight? In case, you forget, in case you have forgotten, let me remind you what that question was. Do you have biblical Christianity or cultural Christianity? And I want to bring this conversation or this question in, in with the context of 2023. See, I, I believe that we are seeing the rise of what I'm going to call cultural Christianity. And uh, honestly, this has been around a lot longer than 2023, okay? Uh, culture has trying to been, uh, culture has, trying to, has, try, has been trying to be the, the sole authority, sole voice for a very long time outside of 2023. But it's catching more and more traction, especially among middle school and high school. In fact, even adults are getting caught up in this cultural Christianity. And I believe there's a difference. You see, in, in cultural Christianity, moral boundaries are often defined by a person's sense of right and wrong. But here's the problem with that. I could ask each of you in the room to To tell me an example of what right and wrong is, and all of us will have slightly different answers. So we can all we would all answer the question here 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 here's what right, here's what right and wrong is here's examples, but the answers will be a little different across the room. You see, biblical Christianity is different in that moral boundaries are not defined by you or me, and the feelings we have about a certain topic at certain times. Biblical. Dif- Biblical Christianity says that moral boundaries are defined by the words that he breathed into existence through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So according to biblical, biblical Christianity, you don't decide what your moral boundaries are. God does and already has decided what those were. John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus, in this moment, he asked the disciples then um, and, and us now, uh, he, he, he prays that they would be sanctified and made holy according, uh, not to their opinion, not to their preference, not to their choice, not to what uh, culture says is best, not to what is easy, not to what is, 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 is the most comfortable for you. But he says, define them, sanctify them by truth, which is your word. Let me ask you this before we move on. 
to our second consideration. Who or what defines your moral boundaries? Your life, how you live it, inside church, outside church, who or what defines your moral boundaries? Who tells you what right and wrong is? Is it a voice inside of yourself? Is it a voice outside of yourself? Or is it the voice of God? Is it what culture says is right and wrong? Is it what your friends say is right and wrong? Is it is it what the most current is, is it what the most current influencer on social media says is right and wrong? So who 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 defines your moral boundaries? Who tells you where the line is? If there's even a line. So our biblical moral boundaries are defined by God's grace. But Paul has more for us tonight, more for Titus. Number two is this, biblical moral boundaries aren't willing to compromise. Biblical moral boundaries aren't willing to compromise. For a second time, let's let's go back to our anchor text tonight, Titus chapter 2, verse 12. It teaches us, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So Paul turns his attention and our attention to this other side of God's grace. This other side of God's grace is what it teaches. And as we read through uh, this verse, through verse 12, it's not difficult to comprehend what God what God's grace teaches those who choose to accept it. So you can't say, well, I don't understand what God's saying. He's pretty clear of of what it means to live a godly, biblical life. This grace teaches us to say no to the world and the ungodliness that is within it. When we choose to say no, it becomes much easier to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. See, the challenge is not you being able to say no. To what your nature wants and desire and, and, and desires for. Because every person on this planet, from the age two years and older, can say no. Right now, with Emily, we're trying to teach her that when she means yes, she says yes. Yes or question, no. And she smiles, and it's really cute. But then we say, listen, if you want this, you say yes. So the challenge is not you being able to say no. You can say no. Most of you say no all the time, <laughs> whether it be a parent, grandparent, friends, uh, school, uh, w- with their homework. So, it, so the, the, the challenge is not being able to say no. The challenge is being willing to say no. See, that's, that's where the challenge really is. The challenge is for, are you willing to say no to what your nature wants, are you willing to say no for what your heart most desires? Are you willing to, to say no to what you want to experience? Okay, we, have, we have to allow God's grace to give us the boldness to say no to our nature's wants and desires and say yes to what God wants and desires for our lives. If you were here last week, you know 
that uh, what God wants for you and, and what God stands for is radically different compared to what the world stands for and what the world wants for you. Yeah, the world, culture, the enemy wants you to fail, wants you to not see. He, he wants you, it wants you to be as quiet as possible for Jesus. God's different. God calls us the light of the world for a reason. He tells us to stand out for a reason. So I want to bring back this idea of biblical Christianity and cultural Christianity. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, says this. All you need is to say, all you need is, is to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So again, as Jesus is talking to his disciples in this moment, he's teaching them that all our responses as followers of God are to be either yes or no. He goes as far as to say that anything else comes from the evil one. See, cultural Christianity does not like that there are only two options for how we should respond. Cultural Christianity does not, they, it wants it to be more than just a yes or no. For them, for cultural, for cultural Christianity, they want to throw in more options like uh, maybe, or it's okay, or it's, you know, it's not that important. Like It's one of the smaller things that God talks about, so it's not that important. Cultural Christianity is willing to compromise who has the final word. And according, especially like moral boundaries, like they, they say have no moral boundaries, do what you want to do, no matter what, no matter the cost, do what you want to do in the moment, do what, you, what makes you feel the best, makes you feel the happiest, and forget everything else. Biblical Christianity is a little different than that. See, according to the living word of God, that is just as relevant and true today as it was when it was first written. God has the final word on everything since he was the one who created everything. See, God has already, God has already spoken and declared what people who, who have a relationship with Jesus should look like. He's already declared what your friendships and dating relationships should look like. He's already declared what marriages should look like. He's already declared what families should look like. He, he's already declared how you should handle your finances. He's, he's already declared everything that, that should be about you as a Christian. But yet, so many of us spend so much time trying to find that meaning, trying to find that example, trying to find uh, the answer in everything but Jesus. Again, that's why most of you have a list. Oh, this doesn't work out, so not number two. Oh, that didn't work out, number three. That didn't work out, number four, five. You should have a whole list, and you should keep going back and back and back again because those things don't have the answer you know why? Because Jesus is the answer. So let me ask you a very direct question. Does God have the final word on what your moral boundaries are? Does God have the final say in your life, in your relationships, whether it be friendships or dating? 
Is God guiding and leading your boundaries, or are you compromising because of a person outside of yourself or a desire that your nature has? You're listening to this conversation. You would say that God doesn't have the final word, then there's good news. You can change that to not by turning away from who you are outside of Jesus and turning in towards who you can be inside of Jesus through a relationship with him. But before we move on to our, to our closing, Paul has one more thing to share with Titus and share with us about biblical Christianity or biblical moral boundaries. So number three is this, moral, biblical moral boundaries last a lifetime. Biblical moral boundaries last a lifetime. One last time, going back to our anchor text for the, for the night, verses 13 and 14. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. So in this last verse, these last verses, Paul shares something with Titus that I believe was intended to help shape his, vo- shape his focus and establish the reality of his responsibility. See, the grace, of, the grace that God offers us not only affects how we live life now, but also the time that we spend waiting for Jesus to come back. Paul reiterates the reality that Jesus went to the cross for you and for me to redeem us from the wickedness and change us to be his people that is eager to do what is good. Jesus did not go to the cross for a holiday. It wasn't for a vacation. It wasn't because he enjoyed being beaten, his flesh ripped open. There was nothing enjoyable about what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. But he did that because he loves you and me. His love is so strong for you and for me that he's willing to give up his, his body for you, for me. This eagerness to do good that's talked about is something that happens in, in, in the day-to-day moments that we're given by God. You see, God will continue to give us these moments from now until the day that Jesus comes back. And I, and I can't move on without saying that these moments to do good aren't just in the relationship that you have with people, but it's also in the relationship that you have with God. In other words, doing good is not just about doing good when people see you. Doing good is about doing good when people don't see you. Doing good is about, is about doing good in the moments when you're by yourself and the enemy is just talking to you, talking to you talking to you, saying you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Doing good is telling the enemy, telling Satan, listen, you don't define who I am. Jesus already did that. In fact, when Jesus himself was tempted by Satan himself, he didn't rely on his power. He didn't rely on his strength. He didn't didn't rely on the disciples. He relied on God's word. Sometimes, God will give you an opportunity to do good when no one else is around, and it's just you and him. So are you willing to recognize these moments and and, and make the decision to do good for the cost of losing or not experiencing what your nature wants or desires? I get it. I get it. Culture says it's just one time. 
as long as you don't cross the line, you can get close to it, it's okay. One time won't hurt you. One time won't change you. You're not doing the worst thing possible, so it's okay. Listen, that, that is just not true. So I can think of now of mistakes that I made when I was in high school, college, that still affect me today as a 31-year-old. So I'm not going to believe or tell you that what you, the things you don't, the things that, that you do wrong now won't affect you in the future. Listen, if you're dating right now, if you want to date in the future, listen, how you date now will impact how you marry, some, marry someday. How you date now, how you, how you handle people now will impact how you handle people when you have everything else on top of your own stuff going on. I believe that we would uh, all agree that anything culture stands on will change rapidly once once it's given time. See, once something or someone has been canceled, the influence and significance that was there is gone. See, often cancel culture, which is a real thing, or cancel culture claims another victim the second they say or create something that is not liked or well-received. Y'all have seen that. The first time someone in your school does something stupid or ignorant or is not cool, they are ostracized, they are canceled, and they are seen as someone who is not worthy to be talked to, spent time with, or any of that. So you know how, how cancel culture works. In, 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 in cultural Christianity, moral boundaries are, are, are changed based on the current trend, opinion, or emotion. But can I tell you how, how God and his gospel is different? You see, with God, no one has to experience being canceled or rejected he, with, with God, he has the ability to handle the mess that you are and the mess that you make. With God, he doesn't change because of a, of, of a particular trend, opinion, or emotion. With God, he is the same today as he was yesterday and will be the same tomorrow. So the experience that you have with God is radically different than what culture can ever offer you. Let me ask you one more question before we end tonight. Are you willing to have biblical moral boundaries from here on out? Are you willing to commit to Jesus right now that despite your past, despite your failures, despite your mistakes, despite your lapses of judgment, despite your mistakes, despite going too far in the past, are you willing right now to say, you know what, God, I've messed up. I know that. I own that. But from here on out, I will do my best to have biblical moral boundaries. Maybe you're listening to this conversation and you would say that your moral boundaries align more with cultural Christianity than they do biblical Christianity. You would say that your moral boundaries have been defined what have been defined by what culture says, have been full of moments where you compromise what you know is right and wrong, or has or or it's changed so much over a small amount of time. If this is you, if I just talked about you, if I just mentioned you, the only thing you need to worry about tonight right now in this moment is turning away from that and turning towards God through a relationship with Jesus. This happens. The Bible is very clear of how this happens. We begin a relationship with God through a relationship with Jesus. And it happens by expressing a belief in God's gospel. And here is what God's gospel says. 
says that I'm someone that has separated from God because of my sin and failed attempts to completely follow God's word. I am someone that desperately needs a savior because there is nothing that I can do to save myself. That's what God's gospel says about you. But here's what it says about Jesus, that he is the living son of God who came to this planet and lived a perfect life from the beginning to the end. He died on a cross in my place and walked out of the grave three days later. I believe that Jesus is the savior that I desperately so the gospel is you saying who you aren't and who Jesus is. Maybe you're listening to this conversation and you would say that there have been moments in the past week, month, or year where you have compromised the moral boundaries that, that are laid out in the gospel that you have already accepted. Maybe you're here and you say, well, Aaron, I have already made that decision. I've made that commitment. But honestly, I have been slacking with my boundaries. I've been going too far. I've been doing too much. I've been saying too much. I've been making mistakes left and right because I want to, because I choose to, and that needs to change tonight. If that's you, can I encourage you to spend some time tonight sitting with God and allowing him to reveal and correct things within you? We saw in, in the first week of this series that God's word has the ability to teach us, direct us towards righteousness. Maybe you're here and your next step is allowing God's word, allowing his presence to teach you something, to reveal something to you. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done. And when I pray, we're done. But if you're here and you know, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you need to make some kind of decision, some kind of commitment, please come find me or an adult in this room. Because I promise you that even though they may not know the answer, they know, they know who Jesus is, and they will point you to him. Because that, that is the best we can do for you, is to point you to Jesus. But don't leave tonight. If your ride's out there, they'll understand. If the bus is waiting for us, they've waited before, what's one more time? Okay, don't worry about anything out there. If you know that, that right now, you've heard the gospel, you've heard God speaking, and you know that something has to change before you leave. Don't leave without changing something if you know that, if you know that, that that's where God's leading you. I'm going to pray for us. I'll be available. Our adults will be available. But when I'm done, when I'm done praying, we'll, we'll, we'll be done for the night. And we'll come back next week and continue the series. So, so let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. I pray right now that, God, if there is anyone in this room, any student, that, that they, they have never placed their faith in you. They've been to church. They've been to the events, but they've never had that moment where they stopped and they said, God, you are my everything. They've never had that moment where they said, God, I believe in who I'm not. Now I believe in who your son Jesus is. Father, I pray that right now that you would stir in their heart. Make them so unbelievably uncomfortable that the only thing they can do is, is, is just fall to their knees to you. Father, give them the boldness and the courage to make a change tonight that they know needs to change. God, we are, you have gifted us with minds that can think, that can, that can comprehend, and you have gifted us with minds that know what we need to do. So I pray if there is just one, even one, one that maybe even has questions about this whole Jesus thing, God, give them boldness and courage to step up and step out and to grab one of us and talk to us. I also want to pray for the ones who have made that decision. They know 
they've messed up. They've let their moral boundaries slip. They've, they've gone too far. They've, they've done too much. They've said too much. They've, they've watched too much. They've listened to too much. They, they, they've, they've gone farther than they, than they should have, God, and they know that. I pray that you would just even stir in their hearts. God, make them unbelievably uncomfortable to where all they can do is fall on their knees to you. Maybe for them, they need to grab a friend, grab two friends, three friends, and come to this altar, and they just need to lay it out to you. They, they, they need to say, God, you know everything, so here you go. Here's everything. Here's my heart. Here's my past. Here's everything. I pray for all of us. We would ask ourselves, do, I, do, do we do I, do, do we have a biblical Christianity, or do we, or, or, or do we fall under the cultural Christianity? God, whatever decision has to be made, whatever conversation you are having right now, God, continue that even past this hour, even past these walls. God, you are that powerful. You are that strong. You are that strong. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the salvation and the grace that comes through him. We pray that we just honor you with our lives. Father, bring us back safely next week. We ask all this in your wonderful, powerful name. Amen.